0: everything used to be shaped more fun like why did they make tricks just the circles they did remember
1: no tricks were
0: always circles no they used to be fruit
1: oh my god you're right
0: (laughs) are they they at least two colored circles
1: i used to love tricks yogurt i still do me too the tricks
0: yogurt cups that you would like swirl them together wow silly rabbit trickers for kids kids. maybe rabbit liked tricks when he was a kid that's why he wants to keep eating them but then the kids are like no not for me
1: Welcome to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. We're doing this late at night, so if we if we <laughs> skip over some stuff, like, I'm sorry in advance, don't really record in the middle of the afternoon, and it's
0: 930 now. So here we are. Jane, how are you doing? I work at this restaurant on the weekends, and today, <laughs> or, like, mid-afternoon, there was kind of a lull because, like, the lunch rush was over and, like, the dinner rush hadn't really begun yet, and this kid comes in. <laughs> He's, like, maybe 12. And he's got, like, slicked back hair. He's super <laughs> precocious. He's got glasses. He's, like, a skinny, nerdy-looking kid. Um, and he just, like, walks in. And I was like, hey, bud, like, what can I do for you? And he was like, can I look at a menu, please? And I was like, yeah. And he stands there for, like, like kind of long. And I was like, you know, like, if you're eating here, you could just sit down. Like, I'll bring you some water, and I'll come see what you want in a minute. Like, you don't have to decide right now what you want. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. And he, like, goes and sits down. And I, like, go over in, like, a minute um, to see how he's doing. And he's like, um, I'm sorry. I-, I think I want this, but I'm sorry. I've never done this before. I just, my parents um, kicked me out of the house because I was playing too much video games. <laughs> <laughs> and so I came here. <laughs> I've never done this before. The poor like, kid. What? I think he meant go to a restaurant by himself.
1: I really relate to those parents, though, who are like, get out of the house. (laughs) I don't care where you go. Get some lobster in you.
0: But he was so precocious. He ordered a salad. (laughs) A 12-year-old ordered a salad? A side salad, which is even more. That's very mature. He got a crab combo with a side side salad. Instead of the chips? That's very mature. (laughs) Wow. All right. Well, this one goes out to that kid out there.
1: I hope your parents let you back in in the house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How was your day, Sarah? Great, there it is.
1: (laughs) I was like, is she going to ask or do I just go into it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just sometimes with this show, and I think because it's like, Later in the day, I just literally am blanking on how we do this. <laughs> I know we've done it like five times now, but... <laughs> oh it's
1: my like, goodness. What do
0: I say on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what do we say?
1: Um, my day was really good. I did some face painting for work this morning, and it was really cute and really sweet, and I discovered that it is a passion of mine now. <laughs> Forget tarot cards. I'm going into face painting. Gonna set up in the park this summer. I took three face painting kits. So I have <laughs> enough for a very long time because it takes very little paint. So I've discovered a new passion in my life. So I would say that's that's a pretty important pretty important development in my day. I love that for you. I'm a willing canvas. Great. We already did, we did the moon and the sun. I'm gonna post it in our Instagram at YKWIBW podcast. So you can see what it looks like. Because I think I did a really good job. You You added some makeup to it, which also makes it look really good, but I think like the structure of it looks really good. I I
0: only really added like eyeliner and mascara.
1: But you added some eyeshadow too. I think we can get into it now.
0: Okay. What do you mean by get into? (laughs) Start
1: your segment. What? (laughs) What do you mean get into it? So Jane, last week what did I ask you about? Oh, you Philippa, Philippa asked me about, Philippa asked you about tattoos. I literally forgot. Let's start that over. So, Jane, <laughs> last week, Philippa, thank you again for being your guest, Philippa, asked you about the history of tattoos. So, tell me, what did you find?
0: Are you getting a moon tattoo on your face <laughs> to emulate <laughs> the face paint. On my face, yes. So, I learned a lot about tattoos. And I would just like to start off by apologizing to my sixth grade world history teacher, Miss Boland, because at the time, I really didn't give world history, you know, the interest that it deserves. I just have more of like a math and science brain, I think. Yeah. Um, So I was really good in my math and science classes. And I wasn't, like, I was a good student when I was in middle school, so I... I didn't do poorly in her class, but those were the classes that I was like, uh, this is hard. Right. I don't enjoy it. But then it's funny because <laughs> then I like went into the humanities when I got to school. So here we are. Um, <laughs> but this Kate, this topic that I was assigned goes back many years is in many, many cultures. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to take you on a journey around the world. Wow. through Time. All right. Take me there, Jane. Okay. So, I want to start off by saying that I got most of this information from this documentary I found on YouTube called The Art of Tattooing. And I really can't find where this documentary comes from. It looks like it was on the History Channel or something. It looks kind of older, like it maybe was made in the 80s or 90s. (gasps) Ooh. Was it really corny? No. But the effects were kind of... Mm. it had some really funny reenactments of some stuff. excellent those are my favorite (laughs) like there was one um part where they had some people reenacting roman soldiers fighting and it was just (laughs) like bad actors kind of like bad acting is the only thing that got me through first aid cpr (laughs) training um so tattoos are body art or body decoration which i think is nice that it's considered an art form pause for a second i'm gonna shuffle myself i'm I'm gonna lay down on my bed what (laughs) (laughs) let's just establish this visual everybody i'm sitting here at our like dining room table that we've dragged into sarah's bedroom and sarah is lying on her side across her bed just, like, holding her mic up to her face.
1: Well, my chair doesn't have a back, and that really hurts my oh. back to sit on it at the edge of my bed because it, like, sinks down, so I just have terrible posture. Mm. So, and I oh, just... Oh, no, I have hiccups. Oh, oh
0: no. <laughs> This recording session is a disaster. Hold on. Just... <laughs> Sarah has laid down her microphone. It still works. So, reach still
1: works. <laughs> Get out of here. Look, I have a right to be comfortable. <laughs> I do. really do. You do. Um
0: so one of the first things that an expert said in this documentary is that <laughs> many people have the experience that when charcoal is rubbed into a cut, a mark remains. And it was <laughs> when he said that, I was like, what do you mean many people have that experience? <laughs> and then I realized I have that experience. <laughs> right,
1: yeah, because of the pencil. I
0: have a tattoo. Well, not a tattoo. I have a pencil mark in my knee.
1: Oh, I have one on my
0: hand. Uh, but he said that since that knowledge has existed in humanity, like basically tattoos have technically existed as long as humans like have rubbed charcoal into cuts. The oldest example of tattoos we have... Um, are from Oatsy the Iceman. Have you heard of him?
1: I have not heard of Oatsy. So when like, he Oopsie.
0: came up, um, I well, I found mention of him being the first example of tattoos in a couple of different sources. Um, so, but I had heard of him before, mm-hmm. and I was surprised because he's kind of a famous mummy. So when he came up in my research, I was like, Oatsy, <laughs> it's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically... Um, Some hikers in 1991 were hiking in the um, Otsal Alps, which is in, like, Austria, above Italy, that area. The hikers literally, like, tripped and fell Mm -hmm. and, like happened upon a mummy that was like frozen in ice on the mountain um i love that and people were kind of mad because they were just like two tourists who found him and they mm-hmm. kind of just like dug him up with a shovel and then like brought him somewhere and people were like this is a thousands of year old thousands of years old mummy that you've just like stumbled here anyway it was he's a five thousand year old mummy um that Jeez. somehow was just like preserved by nature because he was in How
1: ice. high up in the mountains? Oh, I don't know.
0: Um so Ozi had 61 tattoos in various locations all over his body. That's so cool. Uh oh, most of which were on his legs. Um and they determined that they were made from soot or fireplace ash that had been like rubbed into his skin. So
1: he would make the mark in the shape of the tattoo and then rub it in.
0: Yeah. Like you'd you literally like like, if you wanted a, a heart, let's say, <laughs> you would, like, make a, Take your knife. You would, like, cut a heart into your right. skin and rub right. yeah. ash into it, essentially. Yeah. Um, and Otsy is believed to be evidence of the first tattoos known to mankind. He's 5,000 years old. Um, Good
1: for Otsy. Starting a revolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw what your parents had to say.
0: <laughs> well, that's one of the things about tattoos is that it's, like, In a bunch of different contexts, it was just like a revolutionary art form. Like It was a a form of protest. Anyway, we'll get to that soon. Um, So there are a lot of places around the world that have been home to mummies that have tattoos on them. Alaska, Mongolia, Greenland, Egypt, China, Sudan, Russia, and the Philippines. So the first place we're going to talk about in our trip around the world of tattoos is egypt
1: Ooh, i love when we talk about egypt
0: Mm -hmm. um so there were these um artifacts these talismans that had been found um in the the tombs of male egyptians that had they were like statues of women that had tattoos that had markings on their uh, legs and their abdomens Mm -hmm. um and they were called brides of the dead and they were thought to revitalize men through sexual stimulation.
1: Wait, so these pe- these women were buried with these men?
0: These are just... Oh, these are just t- these statues. These are just statues. Okay. Now I'm going to talk cool. about ancient Rome, which is actually the part that I found very fascinating. Um, so the ancient Roman culture was really anti-tattoo. Um, in fact, they were outlawed. Um oh. Yeah. So the culture was sort of... they. They really liked things to be clean and pure, mm-hmm. um, and tattoos were kind of seen as things that like messed that up on the body. Like you weren't clean or pure, quote unquote, if you had okay. a tattoo. Okay. Um, it was even grounds for banishment if you got a tattoo. No. If the government kidding. could kick you out, yeah. Um. And then eventually they started using tattoos on uh, to mark criminals, to be like these people are less. Than. Oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah. So if you. Saw I feel like that tattoo, comes up a lot in history. Yeah. Uh yeah, uh but what was interesting was that the Britons who I feel like I never think of like the Britons existing with the like ancient Rome but like the people from the British King Isles of the who <laughs> <laughs> the Britons <laughs> um the uh, Roman soldiers like would battle people from the British Isles and yeah. people from the British Isles would um had not tattoos but like they had to have war paint Mm -hmm. and, like, maybe some tattoos.
1: Um, War paint, a new musical (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Patty Lafone.
0: And there's a quote from Julius Caesar (gasps) um, that he said, These Britons stain their skin with materials that create bright colors on the flesh. The bizarre markings make them look hideous and frightful to look at in battle. Ooh. Yeah. Um, But since the Roman soldiers were fighting them, and they saw this, they kind of started to think of, like, body markings as intimidating and kind of a badge of honor and, like, cool. Oh. So when Roman soldiers were coming back from battle, they were all suddenly into tattoos. And that's how it was, like, Yeah, that's how a tattoo market sort of began in ancient Rome. And wow. the first tattoo artists in ancient Rome were doctors who would, like, treat the soldiers and then they would use their medical equipment to give them tattoos
1: that's so interesting and then
0: because there was a market for that a lot of the doctors sort of went into getting better at the design and the artistry of it
1: that's so cool yeah um, i want a roman doctor to give me a tattoo
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about early christians in ancient rome oh please tell mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. All right. So first of all, Mm -hmm. there's a bit of a debate in Christianity. There are many (laughs) debates one could say. Because um, in the Bible, in Leviticus 1928, Uh um, it says, You shall not make any cuttings on your flesh to honor the dead or tattoo any marks upon you. (laughs) Whoops. It says that there. Um, so Whoops. a lot of Christians are like, it says in the Bible that you can't do it, but there's a lot of things that the Bible says And yeah, the Bible to says do. also don't eat shellfish yeah. and don't wear cotton and linen at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's not necessarily a thing I feel like that makes you a good or bad Christian, um, in my personal opinion. But despite this, a lot of early Christians got tattoos to symbolize their faith.
1: So that's when the cross tattoos started?
0: Yeah, so the first... A lot of people started getting little crosses on the insides of their wrists. And they liked getting them on the insides of their wrists because um, it was easy to hide. Mm. Because the government at the time in ancient Rome was, like, not super tolerant towards Christians. But why, in my my head, I'm like, well, why not get it somewhere that, like, you could put under your clothes? Like, I would... (laughs) Trendy? I don't know. (laughs) Because why does it have to be on your... So that you can look at it, but you can go, like put your arm against yourself so they can't see it. Like, Just get it somewhere that's like underneath your... Clothes. Maybe it has to do with like the way they prayed or something like that. Oh, like, maybe. I don't know. Um, but here's the thing. St. Paul, one of the apostles... Okay, so like the St. Paul. The St. Paul said in a letter to the Galatians, 617, um, henceforth let no man trouble me. I bear on my body the stigma of Jesus. And a lot of people, a lot of historians interpreted that to mean that he got tattoos on his wrists and his sides in the places where Jesus would have had scars from the crucifixion. And so a lot of Christians who wanted to get tattoos would be like, see, St. Paul did it, so it's fine. And a, a lot of people liked it in idea because it's an indelible, ir- irreversible, permanent vow. Mm. Like, you can't ever take this off like this is my vow to Christ. That's super interesting, especially
1: because I'm thinking now, like St. Paul is like the most important saint in Rome. Yeah.
0: I made this PowerPoint to, like, help me organize my thoughts. And now every time I get to the end of a slide, I didn't think about transitions. (laughs) You didn't add a crossfade. I didn't. I didn't. I'm like, how do I go to my next thing? Anyway, so Emperor Constantine comes around. Ah, I know all about this. Well, he's actually kind of a famous emperor um, because he was Rome's first Christian emperor. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, He's famous for the Edict of Milan, which yep. declared religious tolerance for Christianity in the Roman Empire.
1: I took art history when I was abroad, and the, the teacher,
0: like, every single class was like, if there's one thing I need you to remember, it was the <laughs> Edict of Milan. And the thing about Emperor Constantine is that he was both a Roman, so he was part of the culture that thought tattoos were unclean. Yeah. And a Christian who interpreted the Bible. Mm-hmm. in the Leviticus sense of being anti-tattoo. Right. So he was very anti-tattoo and he banned it. Yeah. And this time that was sort of successful in mm-hmm. driving that out of practice in Rome. Yeah. So that was sort of the end of that craze except for um, one group of Egyptian Christians. Ooh. Um, at the time who were called the Copts C-O-P-T-S. I've never heard of this group. Um, I hadn't either. Um, but they're kind of fascinating because they took the idea of the cross on the inner wrist and they kind of took that and ran with it. Cool. Um, Good for them. Yeah, they branched out into more elaborate designs, um, and they made some of the most elaborate religious tattoos ever seen. Cool. And there's like a long, a lot of like if you Google image Coptic tattoos, like mm-hmm. there's a lot. They're they're very vast and elaborate. I, that was where I was like, "I'm sorry, Miss Boland. This is interesting." <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we can't talk about tattoos without talking about Japan. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this like crazy history of tattoos that. It's super interesting.
1: Japan in general also has a crazy history. Another country I want to do oh, a history episode on. I need on. to
0: re-watch that video on YouTube. That's
1: like a history movie. of Japan. <laughs> yeah. It's the same guy's history of the world, I guess. Hey, uh, we're from the Roman Empire, and we were just wondering, is loving Jesus legal yet? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was everything I just talked about. I know. <laughs> uh, so in the mid-18th century, the government was like super repressive, uh, and they came up with this edict, which I couldn't find a reason why, but they basically said that only people who were royalty or very wealthy were legally allowed to wear elaborately decorated kimonos. Oh. Um, so the underclasses just got really mad at that idea, um, but there was such a strict class structure that there wasn't really anything they could do to protest.
1: Mm-hmm. So they
0: came up with this, like, silent protest where they got these tattoos called body suits. <laughs> Oh. Um, Which was literally just, like, super elaborate, like, tattoos that covered your entire body. Oh, my gosh. Um, basically from the neck down. That's crazy. Um, but not in places that would be visible when you were wearing clothing. It was mm. only from the neck down and to your elbows, essentially, and then to, like, your shins.
1: Right. um,
0: Because you didn't want the government to actually see that you were doing something counter to what they wanted. But, like, you right. wanted a form of, like, protesting that you could share with your fellow... That's so cool. Yeah. Um, And Japanese bodysuits is still a very important cultural thing for them. Mm -hmm. I was reading this one thing about how they have this custom where bodysuits, there's different ones that can represent different... Um, ideals that you want to represent like there's one that represents bravery and there's one that represents like loyalty the Hogwarts houses it kind of sounds like, <laughs> the kind of sound like um, but there's yeah. different characters yeah. you can like stand for and there it are takes only the, four kinds of people yeah and at the time they also only had like stick and poke style of tattooing yeah. Yeah. so it would take you years and years to get right. these tattoos mm-hmm. um, but but essentially the culture is that you kind of keep it secret and you don't show anyone until it's done and then there's like a ceremonial like unveiling to show your tattoo that's so cool um but because japan um was having a lot of increased um relations with the west the government was worried that tattoos looked quote unquote barbaric so they banned them and there was this japanese gangster class called the yakuza um oh yeah which are kind of like famous in japanese lore as like I feel like they made it sound like they're, like, the Robin Hoods of Japan. Um, yeah. And they thought tattoos were an outlaw badge of honor. Mm. Um, so they would get these, like, crazy big tattoos covering their literal entire bodies. Wow. Like, this is one covering one guy's back. And they wanted them to make them look more ferocious and tough and scary so that the right. people would be afraid of them. And it was sort of, having a tattoo in that culture was a symbol of being an outlaw, and that was really, like, looked up to by the underclasses. Right. So let's move on to the islands of the South and Central Pacific.
1: I love this. I love this world tour. I know.
0: We're going all around the world.
1: Tattoos, the world tour. Tattoos,
0: the world tour. Um, So we're in the early 18th century now. So this isn't going in exact chronological order. Okay. Um, But basically Europeans arrive in the the islands of the South and Central Pacific. And Mm -hmm. they're just baffled. Because (laughs) (laughs) there are so many islands... They all have such different cultures. Do you know how many
1: islands are in the Philippines?
0: Oh, isn't it like hundreds?
1: It's thousands. What? Thousands. It's- but did you know, I don't know if this is true in the Philippines, but it's true in Canada. For, uh, might be it might be a world geography, like, truth. For a location to be considered an island, all it needs is one tree.
0: Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's all it needs. There was this one episode of The Bachelor this season. I'm sorry to be bringing it up. No. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But Cassie and Colton went to a quote-unquote private island. (laughs) But it didn't have a single tree. It was just a sandbar. I was actively worried for them that the tide would come and then they'd be just... (laughs) It's not an island. It needs a tree. It it didn't have any... I'm not even sure it had grass. (laughs) 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 Anyway... (laughs) So the islands of the South and Central Pacific, not only are there so many islands, but they all have their own culture um, that's, like, totally unique. Mm -hmm. um, And a lot of them had um, a very complex culture of tattooing, all of which were unique to their own island. So if you want to get into studying, like, the tattoos of the South and Central Pacific, like, good luck. It'll take you a very long time. (laughs) You could get your whole doctorate on it. Because there's just so much and none of it like I mean there might be some overlap from island to island but like I'm pretty sure there's a lot of it's complex yeah it's very complex There was one island where the legend of how tattooing got started was essentially that there was this god of their culture who thought fish were beautiful and wanted humans to look like fish. So like tattooing, in order to make it look like you had scales, um, was their custom. So they'd have a lot of elaborate stripes and Mm -hmm. things that made it look like you had like rows of scales. Yeah. Um, And the thing about the European response to these tattoos is kind of infuriating because they were both like disgusted by them
1: and then fascinated and wanted to appropriate them, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Essentially, classic, um, classic white people.
0: Like, there were cases of boats of Europeans that would show up on an island, and one Christian missionary would be there. That was the purpose of the mission, and he would be walking around the island, like, telling all the islanders about how like their tattoos were wrong and disgusting and sinful. Meanwhile like the soldiers were like hanging getting out tattoos with the people, yeah. getting tattoos and also g- trying to give the islanders ideas for new tattoos. Oh, and like, get out of here. Be like, Oh, you should put this onto your body like you just like so, that surfer voice that you just did. <laughs> Hang ten. Ignore my pa- our last episode where I explained the history of accents. Like, no, all Europeans just had surfer, surfer voice voices. forever. <laughs>
1: oh my god, the Californian accent is the original accent. <laughs>
0: um, uh, so Captain James Cook, oh, is kind of uh important to this. Story rolling the European interaction with these islands. Um, he arrived in Tahiti in 1769, and this is when the word tattoo officially entered the English language. Oh. Mm-hmm. It comes from the Tahitian word tatau, which means to mm. tap, because up till then, like yeah, tattooing stick and was poke. literally yeah, yeah, yeah. tapping ink into your skin. Yeah. um Which sounds so painful. Like tattooing already is painful, but. Yeah, uh-huh. stick and poke is supposed to be... Like, people still do it. It's supposed to be very painful.
1: And, like, I kind of want one because they're so cool. Like, they look... <laughs> re- like, they genuinely just look really different and they're amazing. But, like... Uh, but also, it's supposed to be very painful. Yeah. I'll do it on a fleshy part of my body.
0: <laughs> uh, So then, James Cook, he goes to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And he encounters the Maori people. Oh. Yeah. And the Maori people had very elaborate facial tattoos. And these tattoos had great significance for the individual who had them. Like, different parts of your face had different um, significance and different mm-hmm. symbols. had So you could have a facial tattoo that referenced your family, your lineage, different achievements that you had throughout your life. It was like a mark of your identity. So much so that when... Europeans brought the Maori people documents for them to sign, like, treaties and trading agreements and whatnot, the Maori people would sign with the image of their facial tattoo. Oh, that's so cool. um, Your identity was connected to your tattoo. Um, Okay, so my next slide, the title card is Sad Times. Oh, no. Uh, Because something real messed up is about to happen.
1: Oh, no. Um, Is it going to ruin tattoos for me?
0: No. No, I don't think so. Okay. It's just going to... Make you bummed that Europeans were such bad people, <laughs> right? Well, I feel that all the time. So lay yeah. it on me. Um. So, in the 1820s, okay, Europeans were so fascinated by the fat by the facial tattoos of the Maori people mm-hmm. that a market developed. Oh no, for the tattooed heads of Maori. Warriors. I
1: knew that's what you were gonna say. I know this whole. It's like some sort of screwed up, like, poaching.
0: It's it's It was terrible.
1: What did they do with the heads?
0: I, I literally think they just, like, put them in museums or put them in their homes to be like, look at this fancy So thing did here.
1: they, like, mummify them? So I don't know. That's a good question.
0: Hi, everybody. So when I was
1: editing this episode, I ended up going back and researching more information about this just because what Jane told me is really sat with me since we recorded and really just disturbed me about what happened to the Maori people and their tattoos. So I decided to look up more information on this and I did actually find find out how the heads were preserved. Um and I found out more about their history since then if you are interested in what has happened. Um so the Maori people, the people who had the tattoos were called the Moko, the Mokomukai people. And it was a tradition in the Maori people that when a moko died, their head would be preserved with their tattoos as a symbol of their power and status within the community. The preservation was a practice, and these heads are still in museums out there. You can see them at the American Natural History Museum. But also, there's currently a campaign going on in New Zealand for the heads to be returned to New Zealand um, to either the families of these Maori people or to be put in museum storage so they will no longer be on display so if you would like to learn more information about that I encourage you to google the topic if this is sat with you in the way it has sat with me okay I don't want to step on Jane's toes on this topic so I'm gonna shut up now but just
0: some more information if you are interested um but finally in 1831 the British government made it illegal to import heads which like You'd think you wouldn't need to have that as a law. Off with your head. You'd think that'd be a given. Yeah. Oh, we're not saying that decapitation is (laughs) off the table. We're just saying you can't import it. Decapitation,
1: I'm just going to throw it out there. It took too long for decapitating (laughs) people to become illegal.
0: (laughs) So, America. We're in the United States of America. And the thing that really made tattoo become a business, become a thing that was popular for Americans to start getting them, was in 1891 in New York in Chatham Square Samuel O'Reilly invents the electric tattoo machine oh it's mm. an American invention excuse me let me say <laughs> that again <laughs> she's very tired it's Tenper. an American invention it's an American invention so the tattooing machine was important because it made getting a tattoo a much quicker process mm-hmm. like it used to take so long and it made it much less painful like nothing. it doesn't hurt at all but now it's just like one quick thing as opposed to like being stabbed many times. In the same place yeah. But also in America because tattooing became a thing um, tattooed people as a sideshow attraction became a thing.
1: Oh no.
0: Yeah. Um, God why are we such garbage? I know. In the year 1920 there were over 300 fully tattooed people employed by circuses and sideshows. Uh, the most popular attractions were naked tattooed women. Um, for every reason you can think of. Yeah. They, were, they thought it was like also repulsive but also Exotic, exotic and, beautiful, and yeah. erotic and whatever. Um so those were the ones that drew more money, but um apparently you could make almost two hundred dollars a week or something just like by standing in a sideshow being tattooed. Wow, Which, that's like, crazy. The, I can, can't see that being the most enjoyable life, but if I'm sent back in time and I'm like, no, I need a way to make money now. Yeah. Get some tattoos well, and join a circus. I wonder how much of that was actually given to the women,
1: you oh, know, and right. not like the <laughs> evil people that own the sideshow in this corrupt industrial world. Right.
0: Uh, if you want another reason to be like, gosh, people are terrible. The reason why it was seen I don't. As, like, <laughs> like, as interesting was that it was seen as unnatural and having more to do with untamed cultures than middle-class Americans. So, like, you could take a person and be like, look, they're just like the people from other cultures that we see as lesser, but also they're just like, like get out of here. So here's a little fact that threw me for a loop. Did you know that from 1961 to 1997, tattoos were illegal in New York City? What? Yeah. No! Yes! Okay, I definitely have been
1: like on tattoo parlors websites in like, let's say like,
0: established in 1949 or something like that. They went underground for 36 of those years. Why were they illegal? The thing is, like, people don't even know. I found this one. Was it because of, okay, here's
1: the thing the only reason I could guess is because of the AIDS epidemic but that would only account for the 70s and 80s not really the 60s that like there was such like a phobia of needles at the time
0: um that wasn't one of the series I heard there was this one article I read um where they were talking about them becoming legal again in nineteen ninety seven and they were asking this like woman who was like the owner of a tattoo parlor mm-hmm. um like so why did it become illegal in the in nineteen sixty one? And she went, Well, there's a bunch of rumors, but no one really knows for sure. Um and he, I have some of the rumors right here. Great. Um one of them was that, um there was possibly a hepatitis B outbreak. Oh um that government officials wanted to um Tone down, I guess. Yeah. Um, One theory is that there was a 1964 World's Fair in New York, Mm -hmm. and the government wanted to like clean up New York, like in getting ready for it. It's like, all right, no (laughs) one get tattoos for the next couple years. We want to look nice for the
1: yeah, look good for your grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: and then this was my favorite theory. (laughs) There was a rumor that a city official was having an affair. With the wife of a tattooer. And oh, so he no. just had personal prejudice and jealousy. So he just, and so, so he just... like, out of like, to get revenge on the guy, I was like, well, what you're doing is illegal now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a petty party. I love that.
0: <laughs> so, I found this um, article from Missonian Magazine that had a couple fun facts about tattooing. That's how I'm gonna close out this little world history tour. Great. I have so many tabs open on my computer, one of which is me trying to figure out why Trump was saying that windmills cause cancer. <laughs> I I just can't. <laughs> so, in 1936, Social Security numbers were invented. Right. Thing. And a lot of people were so anxious that they were going to forget their Social Security That they security got their number, Social number, Security tattoo on their body. Mm-hmm. I thought that was hilarious. I was like... But also, that makes me anxious that they can get their identity stolen. But I wonder if that was a lot less common back then. Yeah. And okay, my final fun fact that I believe for you was that in the year 1900, tattoos were more popular among women than men. Good for them. Mm-hmm. During the Victorian era, fashionable women um, <laughs> would do this thing where they would have um, a tattoo artist come to their home and they would like secretly get a tattoo done somewhere like that wouldn't get a part of their body that wouldn't be shown off um for, exa- for example famous New York writer Dorothy Parker <gasps> had a small blue star tattooed on the inside of her bicep I love that I love that fact yeah. and there was one woman I saw that like had one on her like inner thigh like they would get these like little tattoos that like had empowering meanings to them but keep them hidden yeah. and that was kind of seen as fashionable to be like I have a tattoo somewhere that you don't really know where that's so But it was, cool. like, a thing for women specifically.
1: I love that. That's super cool. That is a fun fact.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So, we are now entering our middle segment, our Reddit thread segment. Today, I deviated from our original plan. I hope that's okay, Jane. And I went to a different Reddit What? Thread. I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. And I went to r slash no stupid questions for our weekly Reddit question. Okay. And this isn't so much a question that I have. If I I am going to ask you a question, it's just something that like I never really realized, and I found super interesting. So okay, when do you, what years do you think
0: cowboys were? No, you're fine. Um, I feel like I think about like I associate cowboys with like the old west.
1: Okay, but when? Yeah, but when do you think that was?
0: Like, give me some years. 1800s. Okay. Like, mid-1800s. Like, I'm thinking of Dr. Quinn. So, I'm, like, around mm. the Civil War, like, 1860s. Yeah. And... yeah. Okay, okay, so
1: Cowboys Wild West Era took place between 1865, just after the, just after the yeah. Civil War, to 1895. That's not my question. We just don't realize, like, the things that are happening at the same time. Again, because we don't get enough world history... Like, we learn everything really in isolation. So I'm going to tell you about some other things that were happening during the Wild West era. Germany, Italy, and Canada, and a few other, like, notable countries became countries during the Wild West era. era. They were not countries before. Italy? (laughs) Italy didn't become a country until, I think, I think the 1890s. But between, somewhere between 1865 and 1895, Italy became a unified
0: country. Japan was modernized and the samurai were eliminated. Well, that's what I, I was like, what in my notes was mid 18th century? It was Japan having it illegal for poor people to wear fancy outfits. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like interacting with the West and bodysuit tattoos becoming a thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mohandas Gandhi was fighting for civil rights in India same time as cowboys and van gogh richard Wagner, and sir arthur conan doyle were the most famous artists huh isn't that cr- like it just really blows my mind that all of that was happening at the same time as the wild west because the wild west seems so like
0: well you don't picture like someone in a cowboy movie being like all right gonna sit down and read some sherlock holmes
1: right but you, and you don't realize that all of these were at the same time you know yeah. So, yeah, that's just some fun facts about stuff that was happening at the same time as the Wild West. Weird. Super weird, right? Just as your reality check that things happen at the same time. Jane. <laughs> i all try got right. to get set up for this one. All right. ruin my life. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to learn about the most important conspiracy theory of all time? Bird truthers.
0: I feel like you're not taking this seriously (laughs) I need you to serious up At at one of the schools that I work at There's this courtyard that the kids play in And there's always at least three pigeons Like like flying in and out Like landing on the You say pigeons I say spies (laughs) And since we've like Had this discussion Now I'm like wow they're spying on my children Get out of here Right
1: so, thank
0: you, Leighton, my co-worker, for bringing this up in
1: front of me, and that led me to bring it up in front of Jane, <laughs> which led it to being on this podcast. Um, thank you to the podcast Lizard People. If you haven't heard of Lizard People, it's a great podcast that's about um, this one woman, Catherine Hempstead, and she, every week, talks with one of her friends about various conspiracy theories, and I listened to the one on... Truthers is, is a part of my research for this. So thank you to her as well. And please listen to the episode. The episode is called Birds Aren't Real with Kyle Kenyon. And then I'll offer you some fun laughs on this topic if you're interested in learning <laughs> more. All right. So here we go. Let's unpack this conspiracy theory. Most of this information Shoot, comes from birdsaren'treal.com.
0: What just happened? I just scratched my f- eyebrow forgetting that it had paint and oh, it Oh, no, it's blue. It, lo- well, it looks fine on your face. Oh, no. Well. Great.
1: So most of this information comes from birdsaren'treal their website. You know, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say everything as if it's a fact, but I would just like to say that I have found no evidence to back any of this <laughs> up, except for birdsarentreal.com. So please take everything I'm saying as a like. It comes with a little asterisk, like according to birds aren't real movement. Um, I'm gonna start with, I'm gonna start with a quote from at birds aren't real, which is their Twitter account. Um, they posted this on March 29th. Quote, This is not a conspiracy theory. This is a facts organization.
0: <laughs>
1: now I'm going to approach this with some form of genuinity. <laughs> like, I just want to I want to try to embrace it, try to see from their perspective as okay. best I can, and we'll, just we'll like get on board. Take it, take the facts as they are, okay. and then we'll unpack it later. Like
0: I'm not I'm not here to tease anybody. You know, everyone has their own opinions. My thing with conspiracy theories is that I'm gullible to the level that if you explain it to me I'll believe it for like an hour and then I'll think about it a little bit and be like oh wait no that's not true mm-hmm. yeah there was like an hour of my life where I was like wait is the earth flat <laughs> and then I was like We've all had that minute. Jane
1: it's not like this. We've all had that moment it's fine it's fine it's fine so the organization burns aren't real which by the way it calls itself an activism movement <laughs>
0: <laughs> who is it helping
1: has a, The American people has allegedly <laughs> existed since the 1970s. I have found no evidence of their existence pre-2017. <laughs> but allegedly, we weren't awake they've been then. an underground movement since the 1970s. According to their website, and literally no one else, <laughs> and the no. former director of the CIA, Alan Walsh Duels, who was in office from 1953 to 1961... And somehow, I think this is crazy, eight years in office and he is the longest-serving director of the CIA. No director of the CIA has been there longer than eight years. Isn't that odd? You'd think a job like that would want to, like,
0: limit turnover and staffing. Maybe they want a high turnover. Because you, you don't want, like, a lot of people to know a lot of secrets. Yeah, I don't know. I find that
1: very odd that it's only eight years and it's somehow the longest. Jules um, is also known for loving covert operations, so know that. That, like, that is a fact. He is known for loving <laughs> secret, secret stuff. Um, and according to Birds Aren't Real, he executed a government plan that annihilated 12 million birds between 1959 and 1971. So after he left office, he initiated the plan and it won o- went on for 12 years. To kill birds? To kill. he He executed a government plan that was given to him. That annihilated 12 million birds in 12 years.
0: Why? Well, uh, what the little Chirpy Buddies do. I will tell you. Wait, wait, so is this conspiracy theory saying the birds used to be real, but they've all exactly. been replaced? Exactly. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. um, he was apparently given
1: $65 million of public health funds to make this happen. On May 6th, 1955, he met with an unidentified man from the Boeing Airplane Company, ordered 120 B-52 bombers, and devised a plan to build a new aircraft that would carry out this plan at Nevada's Area 51. They picked Area 51 (gasps) so no civilians would be suspicious of Boeing's activity at their site in Seattle, Washington. Oh, 23 Boeing engineers were selected to travel from Seattle to Nevada and they did this in a school bus on which they reportedly painted Area 51 or bust. So no subtlety.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: there seems to be eyewitnesses to these men from Boeing preparing to go somewhere. People did say that they saw a group of employees from Boeing preparing for a trip and they were spotted buying rugs and other like accoutrement for the bus to make it cozy. Um, and, but I'm just gonna throw that out there, like maybe they were just messing around with people and being like, yeah, we're going to Area 51. Like that is a possibility. But anyway, can we get a bus? And this just sounds Area like a group of rowdy boys trying to mess with people. <laughs> yes, we can get a bus. Road trip, <laughs> road trip, and a bus with rugs. Um, Birds aren't real. Says whenever they would stop for gas, they would set up a makeshift campsite in the parking lot, and people reported them saying, reported them singing songs. With titles such as, I left my honey for Area 51, and let's kill all the birds. That sounds like they're asking for attention. Right. They And they attracted a lot of attention, and uh, locals of a town in Idaho claimed that the men would reveal intimate details of what they were doing to them. Um, this, the sightings of these men, and like the written documentation of people being like, I saw this group of men, and they were acting really weird, and they had a bus, and talking about killing birds, is one of the most solidified piece of evidence of the birds aren't real movement, just the existence of these of these men. Who this could very easily be a prank. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. But this is the most solid piece of evidence. A fraternity they have. went out one weekend, so 22 of the 23 men made it to Nevada. One man, Neil Ford, was left in a Waffle House bathroom because <laughs> he was taking too long. <laughs> Which is funny, but. He is the only man who has lived to tell this story.
0: (gasps) Uh Uh-huh. No! Uh Uh-huh. No! See, you're going to get me to believe this for an hour.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Buckle up. At Area 51, the engineers were told to design a new B-52 bomber plane called the B-52B, B as in bird, with (laughs) 550-gallon water tanks instead of bomb holdings. The work was really difficult, and apparently, at one point, one of the engineers was complaining so much that Duels, director of the CIA, hit him on the head with a wrench as a punishment, which sent him into a coma from which he never awoke. So that's how one man died. The planes that they were creating were supposed to track birds from up to 200 miles away. That was the purpose of the planes. The men finished all 120 planes, and they were told to go home, but their bus was intercepted thirty minutes outside of Seattle. They were sent to the Vietnam War, kidnapped by the Viet Cong, and never seen again. <laughs> so the government just got rid of these men. Which I I don't think is all that ridiculous. The government like trying to cover up a mistake they made and shipping people off to war before his death in 1994 neil ford the one the sole survivor of this mission who got the original brief but then never made it to nevada told someone from the birds aren't real movement which again this supposedly has existed since the 1970s but i have no evidence i don't know what it looked like before 2017 um told someone from this movement that dolls had specifically picked men who didn't have a family or anyone that would go looking for them if they disappeared Hence why they could be shipped off to the Vietnam War and never returned. Mm, I was just going to say why only men, but women weren't drafted. Right. And also in the 50s, women weren't engineers yet. Right. Sexism. Right. (laughs) Right. On June 14, 1959, the government began Operation Water the Country. The water in the bomber's tanks was laced with a bird poison that was sprayed from an altitude of 8,000 feet and would dissolve before hitting the ground, affecting only the birds. The poison acted like a virus that would decompose the bird in totality within 24 hours, which is why the U.S. wasn't littered with bo- bird corpses. I don't believe this. Yeah, that's apparently how. That's what they claim. How they got rid of the birds.
0: I feel like that would have not gone. I feel like there would have been like so many side effects to this. Like, first of all, some bird some bird corpses would make it to the ground, and we'd be like, "Wow, lots of dead birds." Also, how would this not get into like the clouds, which would affect like our rainwater and like inadvertently harm humans? Oh, I know. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is, this is like some junk science. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like. This, like super special poison that only affected birds. Like if I'm we not have that technology, then why haven't we been using it for other stuff? Right. right like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the government has a lot of secrets. I'm not sure if I think this is one of them. Within six years, seventy two percent of the bird population was killed while the government developed bird drones to replace the birds. Apparently, one CIA operative during this time said, Quote, yeah, the higher-ups were so annoyed that birds had been dropping fecal matter on their car windows that they vowed to wipe out every single (laughs) flying-feathered creature in North America. And that's why they got rid of the birds. They were tired of their shit, literally.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, also, if this, like, gas in the air is how they got them, then you'd have to be banking on every single bird being in flight currently and, like, being high enough Mm -hmm. in the atmosphere, like, at the same time, And also hope that there were no planes in the air. Yeah. Yeah, you're right.
1: This doesn't check out. (laughs) The operation was so secretive that the pilots probably didn't even know what they were doing. They thought they were just watering the grass. for environmental purposes and the birds aren't real movement wants them to know that if you were a pilot for the water the country movement they don't blame you and this is what their website says (laughs) if any of the original bomber pilots of operation water the country are reading this hear me closely We do not blame you for the sins of your superiors. While you did kill billions of helpless birds, you did not know what you were doing. You do not have to remain in hiding. Join the movement and together we can fight the government. (laughs) Allegedly, the president also didn't know what was going on until 1963 when President JFK tapped the phone of Alan B. Cleaver, the international communications director of the CIA. Do you want to know why he tapped his phone? Why? Kennedy believed that Cleaver was stealing his ham sandwich from the White House kitchen (laughs) and vowed to catch him speaking about it over the phone. (laughs) See, this is literally the plot of an
0: episode of Friends. That's so, like, I can just picture, like, Chandler walking walking into, like, his office and being like, I swear I had a ham sandwich! No, that's literally, (laughs) like,
1: like, one of the most famous episodes of Friends is the one where someone eats Ross's sandwich. And he yells like, (laughs) my sandwich! And it like, echoes across New York City. Like, some 20 year old kid wrote this, like, and based off a Friends episode. Anyway. This is purported, like, again, allegedly, this is the conversation that JFK ended up hearing between Cleaver and Duels, who had retired from the CIA at this point. Hmm. But like, was checking in, I guess? I don't know. Cleaver said... I've stolen John's lunch again. Ha ha. He
0: doesn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. this guy's. Hold on. <laughs> not even stealing his sandwich because he's hungry. He's doing it just to mess with JFK. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep stealing
1: <laughs> it <him. laughs> until he launches a full investigation. <laughs> Then I'm going to plant a hidden camera and catch his reaction as I dump all the stolen sandwiches on his desk at one time. (laughs) I'm going to call the new show, You've Been Cleavered. (laughs) Duels replies, Haha ha, Alvin, that's going to be so funny. <laughs> we'll have to play that clip at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Oh,
0: RIP. By
1: the way, how's the bird slaughter going? How many birds <laughs> have we killed so far? Cleaver says, We've killed about 1.1 billion so far. And the best thing is the robot birds we've released in their place have done such a good job that nobody even suspects a thing.
0: There's no way they'd be talking about it that frankly.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so JFK heard this conversation. Also, like, I would just like to say that that is so this conversation is so poorly written and sounds so fake that it could be in the room. <laughs> like, the thing about so the haunted birds theory, have we I feel very sim- similar to this conspiracy theory as I feel about the room because I literally can't tell if it's a joke or not like, I can't tell if it's supposed to be a comedy is it a horror film like <gasps> this is like birdemic Oh my god, I haven't seen Bird Demic, but it, I think it is. Like, is it a satire? Is this movement a satire? I I really am asking. Like I am asking, is there people are there people who really believe the birds aren't real? Or is this like a 20 year old's like satirical movement? Because I'm here for the satire. It does kind of sound like someone watched Bird Demic and was like, this is real.
0: Although, pandemic right, like, uh, is more about global warming,
1: actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't tell if this is paranoia or not, or if this is making fun of truthers, you know? Yeah. Anyway. So Kennedy ordered them to stop this plan, and they convinced him to take a look at one of the robots. On October 25th, 1963, Kennedy was shown a prototype a prototype of the Turkey X-500, a robot that specialized in killing larger birds like eagles and falcons. The robot displayed its surveillance skills as well as its ability to track and find escaped criminals, a feature that had convinced Eisenhower to keep the project around. when he found out about it. Hmm. Kennedy continued to oppose the project so on November 22nd, 1963... He was assassinated by the CIA to keep the Water the Country Project quiet. They think that this is what... Yes. They're saying not only it was an inside job, it was about the birds. Oh my gosh. And they also say that since then, the CIA has rigged every election to make sure that the winner is always anti-bird and pro-surveillance.
0: Well, that's the thing that Trump keeps saying about the windmills, that he's like... If you guys are so worried about the environment, then why do you want these things that kill birds? Oh. Is he, like, just confused about the bird conspiracy? <laughs> I is, guess. Like, the he death get of get birds is something I need to care about. <laughs> yeah, he
1: didn't get a good debrief. Um, so an anonymous story on the website details one of the leader's strange experiences with a robot bird from childhood. So this is the story. Back in 2003, he had missed the school bus and was pondering what to do when a mechanical bird landed on his arm and spit up a totally dry plastic bag with a strange powder inside. So normally if you, like, spit something out, it's a little, like, wet because it's been in your gland, but, like, this was yeah. dry.
0: That's, so that's how he knew it was mechanical, or was it, it just looked like a robot?
1: No, it was just a bird, but it was just oh. suspicious that it was dry. He's, like, eight, to oh, be clear. Okay. This is a young child. He returned home to an empty house because he missed the school bus, left the bag on the table, and smashed a plate on his head to make sure that he wasn't dreaming. It says this specifically in the story. This, is a, no, le-
0: you this is a leader
1: of the Birds Aren't Real movement writing this narrative. While he was showering, his mother returned home and found the bag on the table, at which point he found out that it was c- filled with cocaine. The bird had given him cocaine. His mother freaked out, he was the his mother was convinced that he was hooked on drugs because he had the cocaine, this eight year old boy, <laughs> in two thousand three, hooked on cocaine. He hadn't done dare yet. Um and made the decision and then and there that he was to be homeschooled and to have like to keep a close watch on him. I'd
0: be more worried about the fact that my son just like hit himself in the head with a plate. I know. I'd be
1: like, What are you doing? Like yeah, they're like plate pieces all over the floor. My, he like I describes like, washing the pieces of the plate out of his hair in
0: the shower, and I'm like, what? What is this about? So I'd he, be more concerned if my eight year old child came home with an unopened bag of cocaine. I'd be like, some creep gave this to him. I wouldn't be like, you are addicted, right? Like, He's eight. Like, yeah, <laughs> to be clear. Like oh my god, it's just ridiculous. Also, why did he get in the shower? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, there's this like, story sounds like so fake. What kind of kid
1: gets home home alone, eight eight years old? And is like, I'm going sh-
0: to go take, take a shower. I'm going to smash a on my head and then take a shower.
1: <laughs> like, I would have just been crying because I missed the bus.
0: And <laughs> then <laughs> trying to call my parents. My mom wouldn't answer because she's at work. And I'd just be sobbing. Right. Go to knock on I the literally couldn't store.
1: be home alone until I was in, like, ninth grade. Like, I would just cry because I was convinced my house was haunted and all this stuff. <laughs> okay, so he claims, this innocent victim, claims that this bird was planted so that it's a part of the government's operation that birds are planting drugs on people so that they would be labeled as a menace to society and like eliminated by being incarcerated and all of this stuff. So this was like a method of population control that birds were giving drugs to people. Eight year olds. Um, so this started his obsession with bird robots because he wanted to know like what gave him the bag of drugs what gave him the bag of drugs and like totally uprooted his life because he was supposedly homeschooled the rest of his life many years later he was visited by a mysterious man who asked why he was looking into the legitimacy of birds <laughs> he told the man the story about the bird in the plate and the man told him that he's not crazy and that the bird he encountered was in fact a drone this man was a former government employee who stole the cia files detailing the the what happened to these engineers that built the B-52 bombers and the entire Water the Country operation, including the details on JFK, which, like, if this is real, why are they all kept in the same file? Um, <laughs> One big folder. And according to him, the last real bird died in 2001. I don't think it's a coincidence that they picked 2001. Mm. That is everything that's on their website. I would also like to say that the Birds Aren't Real movement does have merch. You can buy <laughs> Birds Aren't Real activism gear, as they call it. And the stickers, I think, are very hilarious. And I want one. Like, I just want to put a Birds Aren't Real sticker on my car. No context.
0: <laughs> I want to do the opposite. I want us to make merch that says Birds Are Real. <laughs> no, well, I, I think that the...
1: I mean, I, I don't, I'd love to take a poll. Like, what
0: population...
1: Like, some website Their website says, like, it is an atrocity that 99.5% of the population still believes in birds. I was like, it's an atrocity that 05 of the population thinks that birds don't exist. There we go. Maybe... And I've seen, like, I'm not saying that there's no reality in which there aren't drones. Like, Amazon is developing drones yeah. to look like birds. Like, I'm not saying that bird drones definitely don't exist i totally believe that we're under surveillance and i totally believe
0: robot birds could be an option my dad has, bir- has I my mean, every i've moved around a lot but every house we've lived in my dad puts bird feeders around our house all over the place and my cats yeah, love to sit and watch them we have so many birds in my mom's garden all the time we had we've had a have co- had a couple bird houses on my house that like birds have laid eggs in and like, birds are real. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, birds I are
1: real. I hatched chicks in my classroom in fifth grade. <gasps> it was so cute. So what do they, yeah, what do they think about that? Like, what's their theory of, like, I don't know, there's when no you science- see baby birds being
0: born from eggs? There's like- no
1: scientific explanation. Like, they don't offer any sort of, like, how, how this works, like, how they're really stopping it. There's no, they're just, like, no, birds aren't real. Like,
0: they're all just government-issued drones. And they, what, fly back to... Area 51 once a year to just like deposit all of their footage. I don't know. This is something like I, or literally is it a live can't, I
1: literally can't tell if this is a joke or not because I feel like real conspiracy theories like there's a, there's a Reddit thread about it. Like I tried going on there, but it's a lot of memes. Like it's just it's so hard to tell if this is if they really believe this or not because so much of it is them just being like, here's a video of a bird doing a weird thing, lol. But it's all it all seems so sarcastic that I truly, I can't tell if this movement is just them making fun of other truthers, like flat earthers, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there who really thinks birds aren't real. But I can't tell if this, like, whole website thing is just an attempt at, like, a joke. Someone also was, like... They talked about this on the podcast, like, if like why do we see bird guts then? And it's just like, those are just like really advanced technology that looks like guts.
0: I have a confession.
1: Oh, no. Confess.
0: I hit a seagull with my car once. Oh,
1: you told me that before.
0: It's one of my biggest regrets in life. I hit a
1: butterfly once and it was devastating. <laughs>
0: There wasn't even, like, a car behind me, but my dad was, like, has always lectured me, like, because I love animals so much. He's, like, if you see an animal on the road, but there's a car close behind you, you gotta keep going. Because, like, you will get rear-ended, and, like, I don't want you to get hurt. Like, I know you're gonna hate it, but you gotta. And I was driving, and my dad was, like, what have I told you? Oh, no. and it was a seagull like it was a bird so I was like it'll fly away it'll fly away and then thunk and I was like ah <laughs> it's like the worst feeling the I world. was just crying behind the wheel my dad was like what's happening I've
1: never I've hit
0: a deer but the
1: deer survived like
0: it like hobbled away That's I hit it
1: thing, going, like no, three because... miles per hour because I was just like slowing down thinking like oh by the time I get to the deer it'll like sprint off but it, and it didn't it yeah. just stood its ground Anyway, so that's everything that there is to know about the bird truther movement, according to the bird truthers. If you have information out there regarding the legitimacy of birds, please tell me. I want to know more. <laughs> I would love some more evidence. Honestly, like, I would love to I see the hilarious. witness reports for these guys on the bus. I'd like to hear more about Neil Ford. Like, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of open, open questions left, you know? Yeah. Alright, that's everything. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been where we post some photos that have to do with our content that day. You can also, if you like what you're hearing, consider donating to us on Patreon. There are many, many different levels. Um, you can go to Patreon.com/slash YKWIBWpodcast, and you'll get some fun, exciting benefits for becoming a donor. And lastly, if you have something that you've been wondering, please email that to us at I've Been Wondering Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to know what your questions are and begin to incorporate that into our show as well special thanks this week again to layton for bringing up bird truthers in front of me i really appreciate it to carissa as well my other co-worker she shared our info on facebook and was really oh. nice of her and i really appreciated it and aaron who also shared our stuff on eee! facebook who's jane and i's friend thank you aaron you've been a very wonderful unsupportive friend
0: yeah thank you to all our friends who've been reaching out and telling us that they've been listening
1: yeah it like really means a lot to us when people like melinda also shared it on facebook like it means a lot when you reach out and you say like i liked specifically this like it feels really good because then i know you don't just like listen to the intro and then turn it off
0: yeah it's even like like still shocking to me when people are like uh yeah i listened to your podcast like my friend laurel last night was like was like, um, yeah, I've been listening to every episode. I love it. And I was like, what? Really? You do? Yeah, no. Um, the it's other day, so our nice. friend Jenna, um, I was wearing eyeshadow And someone was like Oh you have nice eyeshadow And she was like And I was just listening To you talk about that Last night And I was like Wait what You were <laughs> That's super sweet No it makes us feel Really good So
1: if you're a stranger And you don't know us Like yeah. please reach out Like talk yeah. to us We want to We want to know you
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Email us We also It has our um, Twitter handles In the bio Of our Twitter account If you're on Twitter And same with Instagram too So you can find us
0: that way Shout out to our listener In Australia yeah, I
1: don't know who you are, but like... And stand. Asia
0: and Europe. Oh, yeah, We've there's also two in Asia. Places.
1: Yeah, I, we oh, hope two that you stuck Asia. around. Ooh. Yeah, we hope that you stuck around, because it really does mean a lot to us. We're going to get Africa and South America. We're going to get we're it. We're coming for you. We're coming for it. Um, but not in a creepy colonialism way. No, no,
0: no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we are so sorry.
1: All right. For our ancestors. Jane. Do you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Sarah? So I you're not gonna like researching this, but I want more information oh, on it because no. I want to be an informed citizen. So we all know that Trump loves to go to his golf course in Mar-a-Lago <sighs> in Florida. And I recently read that it costs two point three is it million or billion? I think it's million dollars every day that he is in Mar-a-Lago. I want to know why. I'm specifically interested in this because I know it happens so often with Trump. But I'm specifically interested in, like, the finances of that. You know, like, how the expenses of any president's, you know,
0: day off
1: goes. Because they have to have vacation days, too.
0: Yeah, I remember Republicans getting really mad at Obama because he spent, like, two weeks in Hawaii or or somewhere on vacation. (laughs) When it was, like... His designated vacation time. Yeah. And he had had like a rough year. And I was like, what? But now Trump, he worked
1: so hard. No, Trump's golfing
0: more days than he's doing anything else.
1: Yeah, he's in Mar a Lago all the time. So, yes, I would would like to know more of the financial. I would like a financial explanation of that. I know it's going to hurt. But I think it's important that we be informed citizens on how these financial decisions impact us because it is a huge amount of money that we are spending. And it's important that we understand how the finances of our government works because we cannot change it if we do not understand it.
0: Okay.
1: All right. Sarah,
0: you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering? Okay. So I know what this is, but I feel like I know nothing around it. And I feel like it's sort of... i want you to tell me about the hindenburg okay i don't know i know it was a blimp that went down but everyone talks about it like it was a much bigger event and i don't know any of the other details great so the hindenburg why it was a big deal excellent
1: okay um so this will be this will be really fun okay excellent thank you so much for listening this is you know what i've been wondering